0: Welcome to a transforming word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on a Transforming Word.
1: Pray it right here. Lord, what would you have me to do? That prayer, that prayer says also that God, I'm, I'm listening and I'm gonna do what you tell me. You can't say, Lord, what would you have me to do if you're not willing to do what he's gonna tell you? You know, so it's a surrender involved. But maybe for you that are saved, you need to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I don't want to waste my days. I want to be spent for you. I I want to accomplish great things for your glory. I want you to be glorified through my life. What would you have me to do? I guarantee you, if you're saved, something he has for you to do.
0: The Lord doesn't have you on this earth for nothing. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he encourages you to surrender your life and will to the Lord. Every person that is on this earth was predestined by the Lord. He knew you before he created the foundations of the earth. Pastor Bill urges you that with that understanding, it should ignite a passion in you. You have a purpose that is God-given. Ask the Lord what it is he would have you to do. Seek each day to live in accordance to his will for your life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 1 for today's edition of The Transforming Word.
1: You can't live a life of habitual rebellion against God and say, but I, but I prayed that prayer when I was a kid. I got baptized when I was 10. Saved. Absolutely not. The Bible says if you practice these things later, I don't have time to go to it, but it lists all these works of the flesh, fornication, adultery, you know, drunkenness, blah, blah, blah. You you The list goes on. He said, if you live that as a lifestyle, you're not, You I, no matter what you say, you pray. I don't care how many times you prayed it. I don't care if you pray in the English tongues and Swahili. If you live a habitual rebellion to God, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Do we know the Bible says that you guys? OK, so I just want to say that because there are people that they're like, no, I, you know, there's no real change, no real transformation. And they would claim they've been a Christian all the time. I want to point it out because it would be wrong of me to know better and not tell you better. You want to be looking for transformation. You want to look for evidence, internal and external evidence that you are born again. Internal evidence. I am convicted about sin. I'm, I don't want to do the same stuff. You know, here's a great internal thing, internal revealer of a work of God. The things that you did without challenge as a non-believer, maybe when you weren't saved, maybe you just lied freely and you fornicated and you whatever you did. When you get saved, is there an internal struggle? Is there something on the inside that says, I don't want to do this? Is it at least a battle? Because one of the signs of spiritual life is that there's a battle, that I battle with things that I used to just do. When I wasn't saved, I didn't battle with telling a lie. I just told it. Straight face. I told it good, too. You know, you get saved and it's like, you, nah, you just don't, don't say that. Because if you say that, you got to just, there are times you start thinking all the way through, like, I'm just saying nothing. <laughs> Plead the fit. My wife calls and we're talking on the phone. She, hey, baby, did you, did, you, did you do the what's name yet? And then she, she'll confirm this right now. I don't want to lie and say I did it when I didn't do it. Right? Because I know I'm, I'd be convicted about that. So I do something, this may be wrong too, but <laughs> I say, What'd you tell? Huh? Huh? Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, I, I try to get away from it real quick. Babe, you heard me, you know? But at least I don't lie, you know? I just, I'm trying to get away from it. That's enough for her to know I probably didn't do it. So is there evidence in your life that you can see? Internal evidence? And then can people vouch? Paul, later at the end of the chapter, he's going to say, The church haven't seen what God did in my life. They were glorifying God in me. Are there people that can look at you and say, Man, God is really, I, I see evidence of God at work. You, you want that to be the case. That should be something that people could look at and say, Now we see. We see over time, we can definitely see that God has apprehended a life. You can't miss it. When God apprehends a life, it's just visible. You could see it. You could see that that person is given over to the Lord. You can see a person is given over to the Lord just like you can see a person is given over to something else. If somebody, you know, is given over to crack cocaine, you may never see them smoke crack, but you can look at them and say they're still giving over to it. All the all the signs, the, the begging for money, the never having nothing, the way you look right now, the behavior, everything says that you're still giving over to that. And when someone is given over to the Lord Jesus, you can see it. You can see it in their life, in their behavior, what they choose to do, how they're living, it, the, the, the choices that they're making day by day. That person's given over to the Lord. My exhortation to us is that we would that would be our lives, that we would that our lives would look like lives that are given over to Jesus because he gave everything over for you and me. Amen. And so now he says in verse 13, it says, where well, you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. Again, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and I tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Now, he says a lot here. First of all, Paul says, look, I advanced in Judaism. I wasn't no slacker as a Jew. You know, I was about it. I was, I exceeded, you know, I, I went, I went way beyond many of my contemporaries, people of my own nation because I was exceedingly zealous. I always have a problem with somebody who was, you know, without the Lord, you know, they were just into something, you know, they were giving over and then they get saved and they get all safe and careful. Paul said, look, when I was over here for Judaism, I was exceedingly zealous and I would be disappointed in Paul if he came to Christ. And it got passive and safe. Paul didn't do that. Paul said, Now that I belong to the Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm that same guy. And I'm going to come with passion. I'm going to come with zeal. I'm going to come with fervor. I'm giving all of me to the Lord. I would challenge the believer that can look at their life. Because I've listen to testimonies of people. Oh, yeah, I was in the world. I was doing this. Ooh, and then I got my life to the Lord. And I'm like, But you ain't doing nothing. You got saved. And, and all you was all passionate over here. You had all kind of fire and incitement. And, 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 and some people's testimony, their old life sounds more exciting than their life in Christ. If you listen to it, it's like, man, I was, I was partying. I was beating up people. I was having fights. And then I got saved. And I was just going to church. And you know, I don't drink anymore. And you know, I'm just trying to be a good person. Praise the Lord. It's like, no. You know you what's know a venture on this side, too? Do y'all know that? That God haven't called us from. He called us from that which is destructive and death. Over here, but Paul's life details that that there was adventure on this side. Paul, Paul's like got him as, as Paul gave himself over to God. God sent him out on missions. God had him preaching the gospel. He got he got to go to prison. You might not like how I phrase that, but Paul got to go to prison. Paul didn't even count it a bad thing. In Philippians one, Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel. You know what he says? He said, these things have actually worked out for the furtherance of the gospel, that I may preach to the whole prison guard. Paul said, you know what's cool? I'm in prison, and I'm tripping out because now I'm down here in prison with people that I wouldn't normally need to preach to, but since I'm in prison, they're going to hear it too. And he didn't complain about being in prison. He glorified God for the opportunity to preach to the people down there. I I read that kind of stuff, you guys, and it just stirs me up. That Paul was a zealous man on both sides of the fence. So, if you were an emphatic non-believer, whatever you used to do, My encouragement is that you wouldn't come to God and give him some lackluster performance. I was talking to one of the brothers here who, uh, you know, his kid got, you know, taken advantage of in a soccer game. And uh, on one... Team, they added a kid to his team, and well, imagine you've seen a kid who's like the Kobe Bryant of soccer. A little kid, he can, he can do all the, you know, I, I, I'm not a soccer, I'm not even going to pretend, but he can flip the ball behind himself and do all the little zip-zap, zoom, zoom all, he can do all that stuff with the soccer ball. And then at their playoff game, when it's all worth it, he does nothing. He just just gives the game over. And then afterwards, when the team that won, he goes over and they give him a trophy from the other team. I know that happens. I, I I was praying with my brother, man. We we was gonna go beat up some soccer parents. But I said the, the Lord wouldn't want us to do that, you know. So, but the idea is this: when you're looking at this guy, you know what he could do, and you see him get on your team and not do it, it's like, oh, you do us like that. You just you might as well be the enemy on our team. So when Christians, and especially when you've known people in the world, you're like, nah, no, you was real zealous, and and you get on our team, and now you ain't doing nothing. You won't tell nobody the gospel. You act like you shy. You can't talk to nobody. Come on. We need to be going for it for the Lord. You know, we, we need to be giving him everything we got. I, I'm, we, we should be offended if you're that player that we saw you when you played for the other team. He was killing it. And now you're on our team and you won't even go out and evangelize. You won't tell nobody the gospel. You know, we should we should be looking to live it out on this side of the fence in Christ. That's, that's the point I want to make. So Paul says um, he had advanced beyond his contemporaries. He was exceedingly zealous. For the traditions of his fathers, but then verse fifteen. This is when everything changed. He says, "But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through His grace." Paul recognizes that even though he lived however many years as a non-believer, as a you know a zealous Jew, he said, "I was separated to the Lord from my mother's womb." And for those of us that can look over your life, you can look back when you didn't know the Lord. God says, "Look, I, I chose you. When did He choose you?" Right before the foundation of the words that you were set apart in your mother's womb, God knew that we would be saved. I, I I marvel at that at times. I look back over my life. I look back to when I wasn't saved and think, man, God, you knew at that era of my life when nothing about my life said that I would ever be a Christian, let alone a pastor. God looked at my life then and said, I, I know what I'm doing with him. That guy's going to be mine one day. And I, I really do believe I look at some of the things that I got out of and some of the situations that. Should have happened that didn't happen, some of the trouble I should have gotten in that I didn't get in. And I look back now and I think, God, was it because you knew that I would be yours and you just kept me from some of that? Because when I wasn't saved, you know what I thought? I thought I was a smooth operator. I would see other people get in trouble, and I'm like, this cause y'all sloppy with it. y'all know what y'all doing. <laughs> but me, I know how to do what I'm doing over here. and then I, I'm as a believer, I look back now and I realize one, how dumb I was and how much grace and how much mercy, and I think sometimes the Lord just covered me in my foolishness completely, just covered me. And I'm ashamed of how cocky I was about it then when I look at it from the side of the fence. Back then, I thought it was all me. I thought it was something. And you look back and it could have been nothing of me. It was just some of it just it had to be God's just intervention saying, I'm not going to let that happen to you right now. And I, I look back now. There are times where I meditate on my past. And I just thank the Lord. God, thank you. That uh, He tells Paul, you were separated from your mother's womb. Right, you was going to be the Lord's. And so from the earthly perspective, there may be people that we're looking at right now and we're saying they, they didn't look like that person will ever come to God. If you were part of the church when Paul was persecuting them, do you think any of them thought Paul would ever come? They had to look at Paul and think if there's anybody that has no hope, it's him. That's it, you know. I wonder if the reason why Jesus had to come from heaven and evangelize Paul is because no believer would bother him, because he was that guy. So I say that to say, if there's anybody that you know right now that you think that guy, that that man, that woman, they'll never, that might be the one. That might be the one that you need to look at and say, you know what, I'm going to try anyway. That might be the Apostle Paul in your life. Because sometimes the people that need what we have the most behave in such a way that they repulse us or cause us to be afraid. Something about, I just can only imagine, something about the Apostle Paul that I don't think most believers would say I'm going to go witness to him. They were running from him. They are trying to get away from him. I don't think anybody was thinking about evangelizing him. So today, in our culture, think about that, right? When you're thinking of people, when you're looking at people's attitude toward Christ and, you know, behavior, even even some of the people that are doing these heinous crimes and, you know, terrorist attacks and this and that, who has a heart? Who's praying for them? Who's ministering? Who, Who would go tell them the gospel? Some people look at them, they deserve to go to hell. But you know, that's not God's heart. It's not God's heart. I wonder, you know, as, as people come around, that that God would, as we learn this from the Word, that we could look and say, you know, what God could save anybody. I at least want to give somebody a chance to reject the Lord. You know, at least tell them. So don't ever convince yourself that somebody's too far gone. If Paul wasn't too far gone, I don't think anybody in your life can be too far gone. Amen. And so he said, when it pleased God to separ- who separated me from my mother's womb and he called me through grace. And that's important. He didn't call him through anything else. He called him through grace, through his unmerited favor. Verse 16, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. And he says that God revealed his son in him that he might preach. And for everybody here that's already born again, God revealed his son in you that you might do something as well. And we might not all be called to preach. We're definitely all called to share the gospel. Um, But God said, look, he said, God laid his hand on me. He revealed his son in me that I might do something. And that's missing a lot of times in the church. There are people that get saved and are content for the rest of their life to go to church. God saved me so that I could go to church. I I go to that church over there. I've been going there for 50 years my grandma went there her aunt my cousins and then we all go there we've been going there forever and that's what we'll do until we die they'll do our funeral and hopefully we're going to heaven but y'all know that it's bigger than that we this may be our gathering this may be the church god called us to to gather together to pray together to receive the word together but we're part of a much bigger thing the church is worldwide There are believers on every continent in the world more than likely And we're all called, God says, I I, I laid my hands on you to do something. There's something I want you to do in your area where you're living in the space and time in which you're alive. And so for Paul, he says, look, God, okay, he revealed revealed his son in him again that he might preach. And again, I would challenge us to consider our lives. What did God lay hold of you for? Are you making good on that? Is anything coming forth from your life since the Lord laid his hands on you? Saved all of us with a purpose. And so moving on. He says, when God did that, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So Paul said, when God laid his hand on me, I didn't run and confirm with, you know, Paul and Peter and some other guys. That wasn't what I did right away. Verse 17. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So he says, I didn't go confer right away with men. I went to Arabia. That's where he spent three years in the desert with the Lord. Then he went back to Damascus from that point. Verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remain with him for 15 days. And so he did eventually get with Peter, stay together 15 days, verse 19. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. And so the churches over there didn't know Paul by face. And I want you to consider this, what it was like for Paul when he got saved and decided I'm getting ready to come back and go to church, right? If there was a guy that had terrorized Inglewood and had ran up in churches and snatched people up and took them out of the prison and got them stoned, we, we knew of him, we knew about him. If that dude came, if I said, hey, next week our guest speaker is gonna be that dude, how many of y'all would be like, well, you need to be streaming your services because I'm not coming to watch that live, you know? How many of us would be excited to go here? Many of you would not. Many of you would be like, "Are you are you tripping, Pastor? Like, why would you bring him here? You can get him in. He's gonna spy us out and know where we are. I'm not coming back." You know, the believers at that time. That's how they behaved when Paul first came in. Anybody know who it was that took him? Took Paul and said, "Guys, he's okay." Anybody know the name of the the brother that did that? No, Barnabas, whose name means "son of encouragement." Barnabas had to take Paul. Imagine being such a jacked up individual that somebody from the church that was respected had to vouch for you. Barnabas had to bring Saul and say, hey, guys, I'm telling you, he's the, he's the, he's the truth now. He's preaching the gospel. I heard him. It's amazing. Y'all got to hear him. Trust me. Take my word for it. Barnabas had to bring Saul around and, and, and have them accept him that way. Now, that's how it got rolling. Obviously, later on, fruit would show that Paul was not the same guy. Again, I, was, this, I think these things through, but what was it like for the church who knew that he used to kill us and was trying to put us in jail and kill us? What was it like for those the first time they heard him preach and they sensed that this is for real? This dude really loves the Lord now. And look at his gift. Look at how he brings the word. What was it like for that group? It's, he's going to say in just a moment that they glorify God in the changed life that they saw. As they looked at how God had so radically changed his life, the believers were encouraged. They glorified God. They were like, man, look at God. Only God could have done this. And it glorified God. And here's my point. When a person gives themselves over to the Lord, there's so many benefits. Obviously, the person that gives themselves over to the Lord benefits by being with the Lord. That's first. The person that gives himself fully over to the Lord, God is glorified. Heaven's pleased. God is pleased that they've given themselves over to him. But when a person gives himself over to the Lord here, a byproduct of this one, his gifts that he got is going to encourage the church. But even those that are seeing what he was compared to what he is, they were able to glorify God. Like there's so many veins of encouragement, edification that came as this person. Now, what did Paul had God say? And just said, I'm going to stay in seclusion. I was going to try to go to that one church, but they don't like me. They judge me because about who I used to be. And so I ain't going no more. And he's like, that's what people do today. I went to that church. They didn't treat me right. Forget them. I'm not going back. What if Paul was like some of us? And he acted like that. And he just, I'm not going back. I mean, wouldn't, they wouldn't be glorifying God in that. They wouldn't glorify God in that. It actually raised some questions. But the fact that Paul overcame, the fact that they didn't receive him well initially, the fact that even believers treated him poorly at first, the fact that he overcame that, he was able to glorify God. Why do I say that? Because some of us need to overcome little petty stuff like that. Believers treated me bad that one time. Y- y'all know believers are just the same way you got saved, right? I, I, I just have, I get reminded all the time. We're, we're just, you know, we're, we're sinners saved by grace. I mean, that's it. You know, so when some Christian... Does something that, you know, rubs you a little bit wrong. Anybody got brothers and sisters that rub you wrong? Yeah. I know I rub mine wrong sometimes on accident, sometimes on purpose. Right. We just, that's what it is. We still brothers and sisters at the end of the day. And when you become part of the family of God, sometimes your brother over here, do something wrong. your sister, You got to let that go. So God can be glorified. I look at that think, man, Paul could have decided not to go back. He went back and God was glorified in it. And so last portion here. He said in verse 23, but they were hearing only. This is what they were hearing about Paul. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And it says, and they glorify God in me. They said all they were hearing because they didn't know him by face. But the testimony was that the person that once tried to destroy this faith now preaches it and they glorify God in him. And so here's what I'd like to encourage us with as we close this up today. One I would encourage us that are believers, that are in the word, studying the word, seeking to grow in our knowledge of the word, that we would be discerning, that we'd be careful. Just like in Paul's day, there were false teachers. That's So it's not nothing new. At every error, whenever there was truth, Satan would rise up error. Wherever there's true teaching, Satan's going to rise up false teaching. Wherever there are true teachers, Satan's going to bring up false teachers. And so we want to be careful about the stuff around us, all the apostles and prophets and prophetic ministries and this that and the other that's going on the best thing we can do is be men and women of the word and that we would check things by the word of god that we wouldn't be swooped into stuff like that so that's one thing that i would challenge us encourage us with second as we look at paul's transformed life we look at a man who was you know lost in religion and judaism and he got born again and was radical for the lord for those of us here maybe you're here and if you look at your life, you can say, I can't ever really mark. I, I, I can never mark a day and say, man, that's when I gave my life to the Lord and it's been changed in this way. Um, to, to, the, to those persons, I would say maybe, maybe, it, maybe for you, you need to give your life to the Lord. Maybe today for you is a day where you need to say, God, I, I need to, I want to receive you. If, if there's supposed to be visible and internal transformation that can be marked and seen, I haven't really experienced that. We explain what the gospel is, that God loves you, that Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins. that three days later, he rose from the grave, that God did that to you according to his grace, his goodness to you that you don't deserve. And that you have to reach out by faith and receive it. You have to say, yes, I I surrender to you as Lord. And that's the important part. God, I believe. And as a result, I surrender to you as Lord. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And if that's the cry of your heart today, if you're you're saying, I want to see God work in me, I want to give myself to the Lord. We want to pray for you for that today, that you would just give yourself to the Lord. Let's see what God does in you. Let's see what God does as you surrender yourself to him today. And then for anybody else that's saved and looking over your life and just saying, man, I want I wanna, I, wanna, I want want, to, God to be glorified through my life. He did all this to save me. I just would encourage you that are here. You know you're saved, but maybe you haven't really got in motion with the Lord yet. I encourage you today. You know what Paul's first prayer was when he got saved? He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And for some of you, you're here and you know you're saved, but you're just not doing anything. It's not to condemn you. This is to build you up. A great thing for you to go home today and say, pray, Even pray right here. Lord, what would you have me to do? That prayer, that prayer says also that God, I'm I'm listening and I'm going to do what you tell me. You can't say, Lord, what would you have me to do if you're not willing to do what he's going to tell you? You know, so it's a surrender involved. But maybe for you that are saved, you need to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I don't want to waste my days. I want to be spent for you. I want, to, I want to accomplish great things for your glory. I want you to be glorified through my life. What would you have me to do? I guarantee you, if you're saved, something he has for you to do. And so I want to pray for both of those groups. And again, anybody, if you're here, you're listening, and you, you're you not certain that you're going to heaven, that you're born again, that you're saved, please don't, don't leave like that. Give yourself to God. Give Receive his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness in your life today.
0: In his letter to the Galatians, Paul fought against the Judaizers who were trying to make the Galatians follow the Old Testament law after they had been saved. Paul presents an eloquent and passionate argument about the purpose of the law and the finality of being saved through God's grace. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul reminds the reader over and over that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he had provided for our salvation once and for all. There is nothing else we need to do to be saved. There is nothing else we can do to add to our salvation. It's all been done for us by Jesus. Thanks for joining us today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Galatians And together we're learning so much about God's incomprehensible grace God's grace is so amazing that it's a message we have to share with the world And you can join us We have two ways for you to give There's online giving on our website CalvaryEnglewood.org Or once you're on the website You can download the mobile app and give from there Once again, that website is CalvaryEnglewood.org While you're there, check out all the great resources we put together for you, including our daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're coming to the end of our time for you today, but don't worry, we'll be back again. Be sure to join us next time for another great message right here on A Transforming Word.